Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Draftville, the USA Today Network's NFL Draft Podcast. I am Tennessee and sports columnist Gentry Estes, joined by Chase Goodbread, columnist for the Tuscaloosa News and TideSports.com. And if you want to hear not just two, but three dudes sitting around and talking about the NFL draft, this is the podcast for you. We have a special guest today, Ben Arthur, the Tennessee Titans beat writer from the Tennessean, is going to join us. Ben, how's it going? Gentry, Chase, good to see you guys. Chase, I didn't I didn't check in with you. How are things uh how are things that way? Some bad weather in Alabama. And I say that because there's always bad weather in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. There is. You know, great weather, great weather always seems to follow the bad, though. So, yeah, we, we had some nasty rain and storming coming through here, lightning, thunder, and all of it uh, for a couple of days. Now it's now it's gorgeous all of a sudden. That's usually how it works, right? Well, that that's good. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but I, I think the... Um, you know, it's this time of year with the spring, but it also means it's draft time. Ben, you did your second mock draft, I think, went up on the Tennessee in this week. We're going to go over that. I don't think you can really go wrong with a mock draft this time of year. Uh, it seems like everybody's doing them, but uh, people like a mock draft, right? Yeah, pe- people definitely do, and I, I think kind of with, with the way the NFL landscape seems to be changing at a really rapid pace, with, especially with the AFC, when you look at all the trades that have happened, you know, Devontae Adams going to the Raiders, Russell Wilson to the Broncos, Von Miller to the Bills, Tyreek Hill, as the day we're recording this Wednesday, getting traded to the Dolphins. I mean, just trades and big signings left and right. And, and I think over the last couple of days, a lot of people's mock drafts have kind of changed uh, just because how of many hours things. did your mock have been uh, between the time it went up and the time that Kansas City blew everything up with Tyree Kill going to Miami? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it, it was probably up for just a few few hours but before that happened. Um, and yeah, I already see like some people, I, I think it was maybe NFL.com, they had like a, a mock draft 3.0 and then I just saw them, they released a 3.1. Uh, just like like minutes after uh, after the Tyree Kill trade news uh, broke, so uh, that that's kind of what what this time of the year is. But I, I think we're really seeing maybe the the craziest off season in uh, NFL history, and and I think a lot of people's mock drafts are are changing a lot at, at this point in time. All right, so Ben, we'll go over your picks here. Let first we'll go through the the top five here to to start with. You had. Aiden Hutchinson going number one to the Jags. I want to revisit that here in a minute. Kayvon Thibodeau going second to Detroit. Evan Neal offensive tackled Alabama to the Texans at three. Trayvon Walker to the Jets at four. And Kyle Hamilton, my personal favorite, the safety from Notre Dame, going five to the Giants. Okay, why Hutchinson number one? On my first mock draft, actually, I, I went offensive tackle with um, Evan Neal from Alabama. But after... The Jaguars franchise tagged Cam Robinson again uh, to to be their left tackle. I think he's somewhat average, but I I guess they they really like him there. And it seems like that they have the guys they want to roll with um, protecting Trevor Lawrence for now. I think it makes sense to kind of go all in on on the pass rush and and take the best, um, maybe best prospect, but definitely the best pass rusher. Um, in this draft in, in Aiden Hutchison and, and kind of stealing the hopes of maybe Detroit Lions fans who were uh, kind of hoping that maybe 
uh, he he gets to to number two. So that that was kind of my reasoning uh, for for putting um, Hutchison there. Um, and um, yeah, so so that's kind of what what I got um, with the, with the top pick. Chase, what's the kind of the latest with Evan Neal down there? That guy, the workout stuff with him is just absolutely ridiculous, and I I can't. I have to imagine a guy like that, his stock is only going to get stronger as you go here because the more we get into this workout season, the more it becomes about that kind of the off the field aspects. And he's about as impressive as I think you can get there. Every chance he gets to validate the tape, he, he seems to do it. And the, the, the scouts are, there's no doubt they're wild about him. They love Okranu from North Carolina state as well. It's, conceivable that either one of those two could be the first offensive tackle off the board. But yeah, to your point, Evan Neal is going to be a top five pick. I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, maybe in an absolute worst case scenario, his floor could be a little bit further down in the top 10, but, th- but that's it. And uh, probably the only thing that could facilitate that would be if, if uh, Ike McQuanu went ahead of him, obviously. Uh, but yeah, he's. I still think he shouldn't be counted out for number one. And if Jacksonville passes on him and takes Hutchinson, which which I think there's a very good chance that they do, then then he's going to get that phone call awful quickly. It's a premium position. He dominates at it, and everybody everybody in the NFL can use. You can't have enough offensive tackles, just like you can't have enough pass rushers, and you can't have enough cornerbacks. Tell you, you talk about Kyle Hamilton at five. I'll tell you a story that I, I went to a preseason practice at Notre Dame in 2019. Uh, he was a freshman at the time, and, and uh, it was an open practice, which Brian Kelly didn't do a lot of that, but he did it the, the day I was there, and we were able to sit and watch practice. And I had someone tell me before it started, say, "Hey, watch out for uh, this freshman safety they've got. He's supposed to be pretty good." And it took me about five minutes of watching Kyle Hamilton to realize he was probably the most talented guy on the field, if not. Uh, Wusu Koromora, the, uh, the the guy who was drafted in the second round last year by Cleveland, he might have been the most uh, – those two stood out to me the most from watching Notre Dame's defense there. And I think Kyle Hamilton is is legit. I mean, you don't normally see a safety going that high in the draft, but I, I think it's, it's deserved in this case. Ben, as we move along here, you did something with your mock draft that, that I personally appreciate because Chase and I discussed this – in last week's show, which is you're, you're hearing everybody knocking all the quarterbacks in this class, I still think a couple of them are going to go in the in the top 10 because quarterbacks always go in the top 10 of the NFL exactly. draft. Nobody's going to be that patient. You had Malik Willis from Liberty there at number six to the Panthers, and then you add Matt Coral, number eight, to the Falcons, which is an interesting addition. I, I think – all right, let, let's talk about – Coral here because he's he's Chase and I talked last week. He's our favorite quarterback in this thing, and you're not really seeing him that high necessarily on the list. Ben, why do you do you have him in the top ten? And also, are you you feel pretty good about the Falcons taking a quarterback even when they just signed uh, Mariota? Yeah, I, I think um, Matt Coral from, from Ole Miss. I think he's better right now, and, and I I think. Kind of as a, as a year one guy, even maybe into year two, he's maybe more prepared at this moment. But I just see a higher ceiling with uh, Malik Willis. I was at the Senior Bowl, and 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 I I saw how Malik just the spin like 
the spin uh, that you you saw with the ball coming out of Malik Willis's hands, I mean, it it had a a different kind of pop um, than the other quarterbacks there. And, um, you know, you you look at his his dual threat ability. Obviously, uh, um, Matt uh, from Ole Miss has the same, uh, can can take off and run as well. But uh, when you look at Malik, Malik Willis, you instantly think of guys like Lamar Jackson, um, but then he also has the arm strength to compare with any of, of kind of the top arms uh, that that you see in in the NFL. Whether it's a guy like Josh Allen, uh, someone like that, um, I, I just I just feel like he has all the tools uh, to be a, a franchise quarterback. Um, I don't know if if you actually get to that point. Um, but I think, at least to me, it, it it seems most clear that maybe he has the most upside. Even if some of the other guy, some of the other top QBs uh, may be better um, as a year one guy, and, and so that's kind of what I was um, thinking uh, with with the Panthers taking Malik Willis at six. Uh, I think we all know the Panthers have kind of been desperate to find that guy who could really be a true game changer for them. They were, they obviously swung out with with Deshaun Watson and, and other guys in in the past. I think with what the Panthers are looking for and and just kind of with Malik Willis's ceiling, just to me, it it seems like he has the most potential to be great um, in a weak quarterback class. It does seem like other guys have been going down and his stock is going up. I think it is. Uh, Willis is, he's got the best pure velocity of any of these quarterbacks. If you just want to talk about straight RPMs and letting it rip, uh, he's got, he's got the strongest arm in this field. Uh, if you're talking about athleticism, I think he's the best athlete in this quarterback field. So yeah, there's just, there's an awful lot to like about him. I, I did, a I did a, a pretty in-depth story on him a few months ago and talked to some people on the Liberty staff and was trying to dig for, you know, some of the holes in his game, some of the weaknesses, right? Because, you know, you're always going to hear about the strengths. And one of the things that came back that I thought was was interesting was that uh, Ken Austin, the, the, the OC and quarterbacks coach there, he said Malik can actually be too explosive at times in the pocket. And I'm like, how is that possible? And he said, well, when you're, when you're in the pocket and you need to make just a subtle move, a subtle step up or a little bit of a sidestep to avoid the rush and buy yourself an, an extra second or half second to get rid of the ball, uh, there's, there's a specific patch of grass your feet need to land on. And Austin said when they first got him as a transfer from Auburn, he was so explosive it, it, it was kind of like a gazelle back there, and he would kind of overjump the spot where he would need to get to and get himself in trouble at another spot in the pocket. And so they kind of had to work with him a little bit uh, just to kind of dial it down a little bit and, and recognize that when you're outside the pocket, be as explosive as you can be. When you're inside the pocket, it's it's just a subtle step. It doesn't take much, you know. So you know, those are the kinds of things I think that that, that tell you – it tells you a lot about what this guy can do probably when he when he decides to tuck it and run too and that's a small thing that, that that's not the kind of thing that's going to hamper anybody long term that's that's a classic example of, of something that can be coached out of a guy 
Uh, and they've been working on that with Willis uh, at Liberty here over the last year or so. If anything, I think Matt Coral ran the ball too much at Ole Miss. I mean, he did take some big hits, yeah. I mean, he had, what, like 200 rushing yards against Tennessee? I mean, he could do it. I mean, he had the ability to do it. Uh, but, but yeah, it almost makes you wonder in the SEC what kind of what kind of punishment this guy was taking. All right, we'll, we'll go through this quickly. Ben, stop me uh, for what – if there's one you want to talk about. You had a trade in here, too. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, you had a Quanto at seven to the Giants. Uh, Charles Cross from Mississippi State to the Seahawks at number nine. There's another that could be in the quarterback market. Uh, Drake London, wide receiver, to the Jets at 10. Then you had a trade. You had uh, the Ravens moving up to number 11 with the uh, swapping with the uh, Washington Commanders, which I will never get used to that. The uh, <laughs> Commanders move down to 14. The Ravens take Jermaine Johnson, an edge rusher from Florida State. 12, you had Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati, cornerback to the Vikings. I like him. I think he's a good player. Um, I think that sounds about right for him. At 13, Bernard Raymond, guard from Central Michigan to the Texans. The commanders, Devin Lloyd, inside linebacker, Utah. And 15, Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback from LSU to the Eagles. Now, I'll, I'll stop there for a minute because Stingley is an interesting prospect to me. This is a guy who I think if it was a year or two ago, could have been one of the top two or three players in the draft. Uh, he was about as impressive as he gets. And now you hear a lot of this about, well, he doesn't want to tackle anybody and he's not physical enough. And, you know, there's there's questions about effort. I still think this guy is a solid first round pick. 15 does sound about right to me, Ben. But, you know, I could see him falling because there are some real questions there that that go beyond his ability. Yeah, and and as you as you alluded to, I think it was that that freshman season when he, he was one of the top players in the SEC as as a, as a true freshman. I mean, he was balling out. I, I have kind of the numbers in in front of me. He was fifth in the country in interceptions and led the SEC in pass breakups um, as a freshman. That, that's in, that's insane. Um, but but he 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 does that. There is the cons- uh, inconsistency, as you uh, alluded to, uh, also the foot injury. He, he wasn't able to to participate at, at the combine, if I remember um, correctly. So there's kind of concerns of when he exactly he's going to be able to play. Um, but but he does have that upside of like a top five pick, and I don't see him falling into the later parts of the first round. So that's why I kind of have him right there at fifteen. Um, but I, I did put Ahmad Gar- as you kind of was were running through that Ahmad Gardner, also known as Sauce Gardner, um, at twelve uh, to to the Vikings. I honestly, now, now that I kind of think about, it, I, I don't think he's going to be there. Uh, just just kind of w- with the chatter, uh, we we kind of know how he he didn't allow a touchdown at at, at Cincinnati. I know there are some cornerback needy teams at the top of the draft. And I, I think his his buzz for him as his profile, his stock has kind of risen. I, I see a lot of um, people having him go to to the Jets at four, somewhere in, in the top five. I can I think I believe he, he he could go in the top five. So I don't know if he makes it um, to to uh, Minnesota at, at twelve, but but I think that's another guy um, who who who's kind of a little bit. Um, all over just in terms of that front half of, of the first round. But I, I think it's clear that those two guys, Stingley and Gardner, are, are the top two 
um, cornerbacks in this in this draft. And also, uh, you you mentioned the, the Seahawks too. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Gardner is there at nine for for the Seahawks to swoop him because Pete Carroll and, and Gentry, you know, I used to cover the Seahawks. They Pete Carroll loves his long and tall um, corners, uh, Richard Sherman. Um, you know, Brandon Browner, uh, when he was in the league, uh, Pete Carroll really loves those guys and he wants to build with defense first. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if Gardner isn't scooped up, um, through the first eight picks that the Seahawks take him at nine. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of what I got. Any part of that jump out to you, Chase? Getting back to Stingley. I, I think that is an interesting case for sure, to see where he ends up falling. I think one of the issues with Derek Stingley Jr. is that NFL teams like a prospect's best tape to be fresh tape, right? They like your best year to be the season just ended. Classic example of that, Jamison Williams from Alabama didn't do much at all at Ohio State for a couple years, comes to Alabama and just explodes this past fall. He's about to be a first-round pick despite an ACL tear. Stingley's kind of the opposite case, right? Because he's now not one year removed from his best season, but two years removed. Uh, the, the year that ha has uh, kind of been the bedrock for his status as a prospect was, was 2019. So 2020, his play was simply not as good. 2021, uh, as Ben mentioned, he got hurt. There's There's an inch there that obviously teams are going to look at uh, with it, with his foot. So I think there's a comfort level for NFL teams when they feel like the previous season, right before the draft, is who you are as a player. And there's much less of a comfort level to look back an extra year, or in Stingley's case, an extra two years, and spend a first-round pick on a guy and say, that 2019 Stingley – that's who's going to be a, a, a 10 year pro, not the guy we've seen the last couple of years. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a, it's, it's a big ask, frankly, for a lot of NFL teams. And I think that's probably playing into what we're hearing about his draft stock as well. All right, moving along quick here. Um, I like this, Ben, you had a trade where the Packers coming up to 16 uh, to get Chris Olave from uh, Ohio state. That one, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, given what happened with Devontae Adams, they're 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 going to need to do something now. Yeah, that, they need that, maybe two two guys, two receivers, two top end receivers in this draft because you don't you don't just replace Devontae Adams with one one guy. Um, so now, and I just think it's safe to say your quarterback won't be very patient in getting that figured out. Uh, he doesn't exactly have ten years left in his career, and at, at the same time, he's probably about 10 minutes away from retiring if there's so here's something he doesn't like. So, <laughs> so, so that that's going on in Green Bay. That, that was a good – so I, I like that. You had 17, uh, the Chargers, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. Had Jamison Williams from Alabama uh, going to the Saints at 18. Personally, I think the Titans are going to take him because he's hurt. Period. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if they if the Titans didn't get Robert Woods, I, I would have said maybe Jamison Williams. But to get to bolster your wide receiver room with two guys coming off torn ACLs, that doesn't make any sense to me. I that that's a pretty much agree. a no go. Yeah, I'd have to and, agree at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, 
At 19, you had the Eagles of George, George Kalaftis from Purdue. Uh, you had the Steelers at 20 exercising the uh, Dan Marino curse by taking Kenny Pickett from nearby Pitt. That would be a crowd pleaser for the Steelers, I would imagine. 21, Patriots. Trent McDuffie, cornerback, Washington to the Patriots at 22. The Eagles taking Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, 23. Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle from Georgia, going to the Cardinals. That'd be a really good pick, I think. For the Cardinals at 23, why it's stocks kind of all over the board, uh, as, as is the case with a lot of those front guys for Georgia. The defensive front was so good that that everybody kind of looked good the way their season went. And now you're seeing, I think, some of the stock from some of these guys really, really get all over the place. We mentioned Trayvon Walker earlier. And, uh, you know, I, I personally think Devontae Wyatt's a heck of a player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that. Yeah, that, that. As you said, that that defensive front. I mean, it's kind of hard hard to say. Like, who's maybe the 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 top alpha in that group? How much did they benefit from the presence of each other? How much does each? How much upside does each guy individually have? And so, um, so yeah, that 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 was kind of a, a factor as well. Though I I've from what I've seen, Trayvon Walker in particular is a guy who who seems to in. Trayvon, uh, Tra- yeah, Trayvon Walker in that Georgia front same, seems from kind of the, the scouts, the analysts out there that maybe he's the guy who, who's the top five, top ten pick in, in that group. So um, I, I guess we'll see there. All right, we'll, we'll get a couple more, and then I want you to, to talk about your Titans pick. Uh, yeah, the Cowboys taking Zion Johnson from Boston, uh, offensive lineman Boston College at 24. You have to, you have to wonder, Mike Bray will probably wants that one considering uh, his son played on the same O-line at BC with Zion Johnson. Um, 25, the Buffalo Bills, Jahan Dodson of Penn State. And at 26, where'd you go for the Titans, Ben? Yeah, at 26, yeah, at 26 I went Sky Moore, uh, wide receiver, Western Michigan. Um, I, I, I'd say this is maybe a more underrated – this would be a – I wouldn't say a surprise, but maybe a, a name that uh, – many Titans fans aren't as familiar with. He, he obviously didn't go to the Alabamas or the Ohio States or um, any of the top receivers who, who went to those schools. But I think he has everything that the Titans are looking for. He has versatility as a receiver. He can win against press man on the outside. He, he, he plays in the slot, can work over the middle, which I think is really, really important for Titans receivers and what they like to do with that play action over uh, the middle, uh, you look at Sky Moore's tape, there's a lot of that. He actually led the FBS in, in broken tackles, so you know he's a playmaker. And Gentry, we, we were in the press box together for, for every Titans game. Um, they, they need playmaking help after A.J. Brown. Uh, Julio Jones obviously didn't pan out. Um, they, As we, we mentioned briefly earlier, they did bring in Robert Woods. But he's coming off a torn ACL. We don't know exactly when he'll be able to play. This is definitely seems to be more of a long-term play by John Robinson in terms of what he can be in the second half of the season. Playoffs, think kind of Bud Dupree situation last year. And so um, I, I see the Titans going uh, receiver here. Um, and, and Sky Moore is probably the one of the fast uh one of the biggest risers it, it seems i saw that daniel jeremiah of the nfl network said he was the most impressive receiver at the combine he has great speed 
um, solid route runner. He, he just checks a lot of boxes to me. And and kind of one last thing, the Titans have selected a first-round receiver from Western Michigan uh, before, and that was Corey Davis five years say ago. That. So uh, that, That's what um, stood out to me. So the Titans do have kind of their eyes on – or they, they do have connections there. So um, that's a name to watch. He, uh, but I also think he, Sky Moore is a guy who could go anywhere from like 25 to 50. I think he's one of those guys. But um, I, I like this pick here. All right. Well, we'll go through the rest of this real quick. Well, I think we get a couple more Georgia defenders in here, too. At uh, 27, Kenyon Green from Texas A&M to the Bucks. At 28, Trey McBride. You got a tight end going to the Packers at 28. Uh, 29, the Dolphins uh, with N'Kobe Dean from Georgia, another very good Georgia defensive player. Number 30, Jordan Davis, another very good Georgia defensive player at 32, the Chiefs. Uh, 31, the Bengals, Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback out of Clemson. And 32, the Detroit Lions with their pick from the Rams, taking a quarterback in Sam Howell from North Carolina. Well, I I would say this was a uh, first off applause Applause for the uh, – I think that's a good mock draft there. Good mock draft there, there, Ben. Chase, any thoughts, anything jump out to you from the second half of that? You know, uh, hopefully y'all, uh, hopefully y'all uh, didn't drop me too long. I had a little bit of a signal issue for a minute. But I just – one thing that jumps out for sure is just all the activity with trades, pick, traded picks in this draft right now. And it'll change probably some more. But as of now, as as we sit – uh, roughly a roughly a month out, there are eight teams without a first rounder. That's a quarter of the league. That's two full divisions. There's six teams with two first rounders, and I think one with three. So a lot of chances for some teams with those extra first rounders to to make a big improvement. And and uh, some some of these teams with no first rounder, they're gonna have to hit a home run in the second round. You've seen it before. I mean, look at the Rams this year. Uh, they haven't had a first-round pick in forever. But if you look back at it, they've had some good draft picks. Yeah. Yeah, they, they really – the Rams in particular, it seems like they that they give up all their first-round picks for star talent. But they really, really hit home on, like, those third, fourth-round picks, it seems. And, and so they have the top-end talent and the manageable rookie contracts with the mid-round picks. So they've really found a formula there. So – um, a lot of teams are probably going to have to, especially these AFC teams with these kind of trades for big name guys. Uh, they may have to see if they can take say, take some tricks from the Rams book. Last thing I'll say about this with the first round when you see these mock drafts, it's it's there. There seems to be a wider range uh, of potential outcomes this year than I think you would normally see. Usually, you get to this point with the mock drafts. There's there's a pretty good consensus, I think at least top 10, top 12 in terms of, of where teams are going to go. And I think the lack of excitement over the quarterbacks in this class, I think has created a little more uncertainty as to who's going to go for that and who isn't and where they're going to go. If they don't go for a quarterback, it, it just seems like there's, there's a way, way more potential outcomes. And this is going to be the draft where somebody likes someone you don't expect. And they take them at like the third or fourth pick. And you're gonna. I think this really could be a draft where you, you see some, uh, some some surprises even more than normal. You always do, but in this case, I, I think there'd be a wide range of outcomes. And, and as you say, Chase, I, I think there's 
a lot of teams with multiple picks in the first round, which gives a lot of options for we can do this in turn for that. We can trade that could be a lot of uh, activity. All right. Well, thanks guys uh, for joining us, Ben. Thank you for, for, for being a part of the podcast. That'll do it for this edition of Draftville. We hope that you will subscribe to whatever site you're near in the USA Today network, be that the Tennessean, Ben and I work for, the Tuscaloosa News, or any number of other websites around the country. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, wherever it is you get your podcast. Drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. Thanks so much for being a part of Draftville for Chase Goodbread and Ben Arthur. I'm Gentry Estes. Thanks for listening.